Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hey guys, uh, Ollie Richards here, and today I've got something really cool for you. This is going to be a conversation uh, that you're going to love if you just enjoy geeking out about languages, having kind of long, rambling, in depth conversations about all things language learning. Uh, it's I recorded a couple of months ago in the height of the pandemic, uh, but only just getting to release it now because that's the schedule I work to these days. I'm talking with Lamont from a YouTube channel called Days of French and Swedish, and we'll link that below. Uh, I've been watching Lamont for, for some time. He's he, he thinks very deeply about languages. I like the way he, um, he thinks about languages, asks questions, uh, interviews people on his channel. So I wanted to get him on for a chat. Uh, lots of things you're going to learn. Right? What are you going to learn in this in this conversation. Is it a disadvantage to learn languages if you are a latecomer? If you're getting late to the game of language learning? What is comprehensible input and does it matter? The one thing that governs your success and failure with languages, and it's got nothing to do with language learning, what are first world problems when it comes to language learning? The most dangerous development in all of language learning in recent years? And what is the point of people like me doing YouTube language projects where I go off and learn languages for three months and try and document all of it? What is the point? All of these things we're going to cover in this conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. So without any further ado. All right, so I'm here with Lamont from the curiously titled Days of French and Swedish. How's it going? Yeah, good. I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm well, thanks. Good to talk to you. We're, a meet, we're actually meeting for the first time, so um, you know, often with these discussions, we, you know, it's normal to have a you know a bit of a sort of pre-chat chat, if you like. But we decided to just kind of dive straight in and uh, and see where it see where it takes us. So um, maybe uh, to start with, could you maybe just uh, tell us where Days of French and Swedish comes from? What's 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 that all about? Um. Well, I named the channel maybe nine months ago or something. Uh, I renamed it, and um, I was at the time studying French and Swedish, yeah. so it wasn't too much of a stretch, but it was kind of a reference to a number of things. Um, I sort of wanted it to sound a bit like the movie Days of Wine and Roses, mm -hmm. just because I think it's a cool movie title. Um, and I wanted to call it like Days of French and Roses, but that didn't work because actually my Swedish is better than my French. So, uh, and I, I just thought I liked the idea of including days in there because if you think about it, language is learned in days in terms of like, okay, it might take you like three years to get to a certain point, but that's three years of studying every day or, you know, of studying of studying in days. If you never put in the days, then you don't get the result oh, at the see. end of yeah. three years. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I just sort of thought it sounded good, Days of French and Swedish. It just sounded, had a nice ring to it, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it, it absolutely does, and it caught my attention. Although I did assume that you were learning French and Swedish, which I guess <laughs> it would have been accurate at one point, but then I guess the question is, what happens in a... In, in a couple of years from now when you're learning Farsi and Turkish? <laughs> it, it doesn't matter, actually, because I um, one of my most watched videos was like six weeks ago or something when I announced that I am putting French aside um, yeah. because <laughs> I was unhappy with my level in either language. So uh, I've just gone all in on Swedish. So 
Uh, a lot of people made the obvious comment that is it just called Days of Swedish now, but I don't know. In my mind, these these for me are still the days of my language learning, which started with French and Swedish. So yeah, well, I mean, this is um, it's kind of a nice, nice, nice way in here because we all start the these kind of YouTube channels and podcasts through a passion of some kind, don't we? Mm. Um, and I want to I want to ask you about that, but maybe. Um, Give us give us the, the Cliff Notes version of, uh, of 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 you first before we get into this. What, what's your what's your your background with languages and how did you end up um, starting a YouTube channel and um, mm. and talking about languages? <laughs> uh, my background with languages is that three and a half years ago, I just sort of thought I would um, start learning some Swedish. It's kind of a boring story as to why, and I've told it on my channel before i don't i don't know if you want to hear it but I, well for, for the benefit <laughs> of people who are hearing you for the first time give us the uh yep. the potted version yeah yeah um so there was a finnish girl staying with us um here like in our house my wife and i um and she stayed with us actually for quite a while in the end she like went to new zealand for a couple of months but then she came back and stayed with us again and it ended up being quite like sort of three weeks in total and we barely knew her so it felt like quite a while but she was great we really enjoyed having her and on her way to the airport she said like well I stayed with you you'll have to come and stay with me in Helsinki um and we sort of said yeah like let's make it happen and I just thought well if we're going to go to Scandinavia and spend all that money and everything I'm gonna want to learn one of the languages and Swedish just seemed to make the most sense, even though she was Finnish. We were planning on going to Denmark and Sweden and Finland. And Swedish is a second official language of Finland. Um, it's mutually understandable in Norway. And then Sweden itself has the biggest population. So I just started with Swedish. And it's kind of lucky I did because it's it's definitely easier than Finnish and it's, it's easier than Danish as well. So... Um, but I, at the time, I just thought it was like, I'm not going to continue this. I'm just going to kind of see how it goes. And I, something about it, I think you actually, Ollie, and uh, Benny Lewis were some of the first people I kind of discovered in terms of the methodology of learning a language and how to actually do it in a non-school book kind of textbook kind of way. Mm. Um, so I, I actually became really interested in this what I would call more modern approach to language learning uh, like Benny's got his thing of just like speak early speak early and speak a lot um, and and Ollie you have your stories uh, and I, I was just really interested in that more kind of more so than I was in Swedish but Swedish was the vehicle that I was using to explore that um, so that's yeah and then a year later I just started learning French because you know a, a, here is about where Swedish starts getting hard, uh, and and I sort of thought I was pretty cool, and I would just start learning another language because I thought I had sweet Swedish pretty down pat, which I didn't at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much my background of languages. And then what what led to the YouTube channel? What led to the YouTube channel was. Um, I think I actually started recording the, uh, I, I also do like foreign series reviews. So like non-English language series, because everyone does reviews of English language series, but very few people talk about stuff that's not in English. So I started doing that. And I also 
since I was so kind of interested in language learning as well, I just mixed a few of those videos in there as well. And it ended up that I became sort of equally passionate about both, but also the language videos uh, kind of got a lot more traction and a lot more attention and stuff. So that's kind of where my channel came from, really. Yeah, and I guess the um, the where I noticed you from was was you know how you kind of have various people on your radar, you know, you kind of, and then you see snippets of, of them. And then there comes a, there always, there comes a point with, 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 uh, it's always like that with me anyway. I kind of, I'm kind of aware of people because they pop up in your YouTube feed and you see snippets here and there, but then there's, there's one, there's usually one, one moment, like one video or something where you actually kind of spend a bit of time actually properly listening to, to something that somebody's saying. And yep. then that kind of sometimes can open a floodgate and then you know opens your eyes to what they're really talking about and and I think in your case what what caught my attention was just the the way that you yeah you know, you're very articulate in talking about languages and you kind of take a um your your you obviously think quite deeply about the different topics different areas of language learning and I really kind of appreciated that because um well that's that's always what was what most interested um me you know so i thought that's why i thought it'd be cool to, to to have you on for a for a discussion so um thanks for giving us that 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 background that's super interesting so you're actually a kind of relative latecomer to the language thing then oh very very latecomer yeah. yeah i mean i did i did german at school like a like a lot of people i did a language at school um and i actually did it quite for, for quite a long time like for four years so from what we call year nine through to when I finished in year 12. But I was just such a horrible student, not like not talented, just just not dedicated at all. And I remember us going through stuff in year 12 that we should have been going through in year nine. Uh, so I just barely scraped through passing the year 12 exam Um Familiar story for many people. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like, but it, no, I want to say that actually, in my case, it wasn't to do with the way languages were taught or the teacher or anything. Uh, all of that was actually pretty good by school standards. The teacher was great, but I just had no, I had no application to any subject really at school except music. Uh, but so, yeah, it was my fault. So. That's interesting for me because, um, I mean, you mentioned me and Benny. I mean, we both Benny and I kind of grew up with languages mm-hmm. in adulthood. You know, we didn't have languages around as kids, but we were we yeah. both kind of started learning languages around the same time, you know, kind of 19, 20, that kind of, you know, university age. Mm-hmm. And um, so so what do you, from your perspective then, as a, as a relative latecomer, but someone who's been, you know, now kind of had a crash course in the world of languages and also the kind of what people call the online polyglot, which I hate mm-hmm. passionately yeah. as a term, but whatever, that's what people call it. What are you, th- what are, what are some of the big issues that you see in this whole world or the big kind of areas that matter? Where, where should discussions about languages be framed? So you, you don't mean big issues like big problems? No, you, no. I mean, just, just the mean, kind of what are the big topics? Yeah, what are the, what are the things that what what are, what are the things that people should be thinking about? Um... I think that people should most be thinking about motivation and how to get yourself to do something that isn't necessarily what you would naturally do. Um, so you can change quite quickly. 
but for a lot of people, the story of their life is like on a weekend, they'll get up, have coffee, uh, eat something unhealthy perhaps, and then sort of sit around and waste a lot of the morning. Uh, like I think that's a fairly common story for anyone, anyone between about 19 and 50 really, <laughs> possibly even older. Um, and that, that was definitely the story. I did nothing for my 20s, like nothing that involved any kind of hard work. I just did like the bare minimum to survive. Um, and and I'm, it's like I, I kind of have this, this tagline that's like we know what works for language learning. Like if you want to learn a language, because I feel like everyone has at some point said, I would like to learn a language. We, we know what works. Like there are people out there who have, almost distilled it down to like this is what we know works but it's not always fun it's kind of it you can make it fun like through you know short stories or or little games or whatever you can do things that make it more interesting but to the person who has not involved themselves in language learning at all the easiest most fun thing to do is to go on instagram or on twitter or whatever and so I think that what we should be talking about more is like, okay, what works is comprehensible input. How do we first get to the stage where we make input comprehensible? And then how do we keep doing that even when it is not what we would naturally want to do? Sure. That's so I guess it's I... like you know, you could, ex you could someone could explain to me how to create a rocket that gets to the moon, but that's not... You know, to say I'll be able to follow the instructions and actually do it, or be able to afford the the pieces and and all and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, well, more like you. Let's say like I'm not as healthy as I would want to be, right? I I know what what a healthy person does. Like a healthy person eats less non nutritious food, eats more good food, eats more fruit and veg, and does more exercise. And does all and does all those things consistently? Yeah, right. Because and that's actually the, the this is where I where I always fall down. Like I can, I'll have a couple of really great weeks, you know, talking about um, uh, you know, health and, and nutrition and stuff like that. I'll have a couple of great weeks, but then I just I just don't stay consistent, and that's what torpedoes my um all my my goals. And I, I was thinking that that was a fairly good analogy with language learning in 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 the sense of what you you brought up, which is like it's okay. It's one thing to know what works; it's another thing to actually be able to 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 execute on that but also to have the the, the right frame of mind to be able to do all that I, mm. and i and I, th I guess one of the areas one of the specific things where i've kind of always collided with that specific problem is in learning chinese characters because i've you know have many attempts to learn chinese characters over the years through in japanese and also in cantonese and i could tell you exactly what works i know what works because i've done it on a small scale um, I just it bores me to tears, and I don't want to do mm. it, and so I've never done it, and so that's a it's a kind of really clear example, very very tangible example for me of how knowing knowing what works doesn't make it easy. Yeah, and so I guess yeah, so this kind of circles back to, to to what you were saying earlier, right, about motivation, because everything if we if, if we ask the question like what does what is the kind of the most 
what is the one thing without which nothing else, without which everything else fails? And it is motivation, right? Because if you're not motivated, mm. then I could give you all the best tricks in the world, but you won't use them. Um, so, so what? You, it's interesting what you said about motivation. So the example you gave about the the the, the kind of Saturday morning, you know, donuts and TV and stuff like that, rather mm. than just you know yeah. sitting there, and, and mm. it's a great example because just like you would let's say you wanted to you know you wanted to get fit okay on that saturday morning the first thing you might want to do is just go for a run first thing in the morning um and then the challenge then is to do that and then to keep it up week after week after week and so with language learning um i guess the equivalent would be well you on a on a saturday morning you schedule yourself some time to to work on your languages and then you actually make Mm. yourself do it um so how do you how do you think about that this question of motivation then of actually um talking to people about motivation and, and, and mm. I mean, can you can you manufacture motivation can you what would you say to someone who who knows what to do but still falls into all those traps on a saturday morning like you like you were saying i guess like so i I would try to avoid describing it as like, okay, instead of eating donuts and watching TV, you've just got to sit down and do it because it's, it's, that might work twice. Like, you know, this, I I think there's some, there's some expression that something like discipline will only get you so far. And, um, it's really more, it's not so much about discipline, but about like routines. And cause once, once you do something, even just a couple of times, it actually becomes more normal to do that thing than to not do that thing. Like for for today, I mean, it's a bit of a, a sort of a first world problem for me in that my Swedish is of a good enough level that a lot of activities are interesting to me because I understand quite a lot. But today I've done like close to four hours of Swedish. Wow. And that wasn't that wasn't like, I mean, okay, I didn't have a lot to do today. I get that people have work and everything. But that wasn't like I ha- I got up and went, right, I have to do Swedish. That was like I got up and listened to my audio book that is like reading now. Like instead of reading in English, I have an audio book or, or I read in Swedish. Um, and then I have conversations, which are also interesting. So the question is how to make something interesting enough to you that you will make it into a routine. And for me, I was lucky in that, even though I wouldn't say like from a pure language learning perspective, this is the best idea, but I kind of followed Benny's advice to just go all in on on speaking right away. And I had these extremely uncomfortable conversations, but at the same time, they were motivating enough for me that it actually felt quite strange to not have conversations in Swedish after after a little while even though I was extremely bad at it it became so normal to speak this kind of awful broken Swedish that that it didn't it wasn't uncomfortable any longer so it felt weirder not to do it and I I think most people need to well everyone actually needs to find their thing that's like what can you do for long enough that you will then it will feel odd not to do that thing yeah, motivation is a real a real tricky one because you've got so many different you you, you you can 
pass it out into so many different categories. You know, I, th- I often think about my kind of early days of language learning, and it was so simple and straightforward because mm. I just had unstoppable, limitless motivation to learn. Yeah. You know, I was 20, yeah. 21, like I was just discovering the world for the first time having that feeling of meeting new people and communicating with them and like my that was like my life was all I wanted to do all day every day was learn languages so I could talk to people and meet people and I was in that situation as well where I would be I would be meeting people and um had that opportunity to speak and communicate so with that with that order of motivation in place nothing else mattered didn't matter what activities Mm. I did what I because you know, if you're that motivated, you can going whatever you do, you're going to bring to it the kind of passion mm. and and drive that's going to just you know drive you forward, and, and you're going to end up mm. learning the language. It's it's, it's kind of it's crazily simple and straightforward, really, how that yeah. works. But then, as you know, as as time's gone on, and and I haven't, I guess the kind of the, the novelty of learning new languages has kind of worn off a little bit, mm. and um, and I, and I'm also not. It's it's also more of um, an intellectual pursuit for me now because I'm I, I'm kind of installed in one place here in, a, in an English speaking mm-hmm. country. If if I'm if I if I'm to learn a language, it, it's it's not because I uh, I need it or I'm going to use mm-hmm. it much. It's just, it's just almost just for the kind of for the sake of doing it. Yeah. And 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 then I went with, without that kind of huge driving motivation that I talked about just a second ago. Then you kind of into this territory of what you were talking about which is mm. all right i don't have this just unstoppable motivation so given that i don't have that unstoppable motivation what's the next it's like what's the next rung down the ladder and that's kind of okay well let's mm. find material materials and activities that we would consider fun and enjoyable so we can kind of replace them but already then you're kind of mm. already you've then got to summon up the motivation to do it and you've got to try to create these routines I mean, there's more of a kind of effort involved and I think for most people they're in that kind of situation you know they don't have this unlimited boundless motivation they don't have the environment around them that's pressuring them to learn it is a kind of um, an existential thing they're learning Um, so if you're if you're a person who doesn't have practice or training at being disciplined and creating new habits then that's the it's the number one thing you're up against like the, the, we, before you even get to language problems, remembering verb conjugations, gender of nouns, prepositions, all that stuff, mm. like that, that, all that stuff. I, I always say like there, there are no, there's no language problem that can't be solved through just consistent work. Um, yeah. You know, nothing is that difficult. But what is really hard for most people is just that basic skill of just saying, right, I decide that I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn this thing now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn up at nine a.m. on a Saturday morning whether I feel like it or not. And where I always mm. fail is that whether I feel like it or not, because I usually don't feel like it and therefore I don't do it. I think, like you say, mm. first world problems, too comfortable, all of that stuff. Um, and then... Oh, t- sorry, just just to clarify, I actually meant that um, I, I was kind of borrowing a phrase that you used some months back and I'm sure you d- don't even remember, but someone, a friend of yours who speaks very high-level Cantonese as far as I understand it, said that he has problems finding the Cantonese that's in the right accent or something. And you said, ah, yeah, but that's like first world problems in that it's like a very, it's a a problem that occurs very high up the ladder. And so that's what I was describing my Swedish is as in that I know most people can't just go and listen to audio books and watch 
Netflix without subtitles and stuff. Like that's that's a, a problem that occurs at at a B one, B two, or even C one kind of level. Yeah. So that's yeah, <laughs> but th- yeah. there of course we we do both exist also in first world problems in that like you know too much Wi-Fi access and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, well, that thing of, I mean, just, if you just consider the smartphone, like, I, I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say that like, the existence of smartphones um, could be responsible for huge amounts of failed potential in language, just because of the degree of distraction. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked about this a couple of times. Um, I remember talking about this with, with Luca a few years back. Where we kind of we were, we were saying that we both of us remember what it was like to learn languages pre-internet, mm-hmm. and we both kind of felt that was actually a really valuable experience because you know if you go on if you go on if you, you know let's say you want to learn French these days, you could just end up in an endless rabbit hole on Google looking at all the different French courses and free podcasts and you know you've got free stuff and cheap stuff and expensive mm-hmm. stuff like endless options. But mm-hmm. back in the day when I was learning French, the only thing I could do to learn French was go to my local library where they'd have like some old lingua phone course or something uh, or else go to the local like I was lucky I lived in London I could go there was the European bookshop which used to be in Soho mm. and then they would have like maybe five or six like French grammar books like three or four of which were from the 50s and just looked terrible and like, <laughs> there were like two modern ones and so those are the two books you get and that's all you got so you just use them and all you that's all that's available to you so you're just going to work your way through from beginning to end, and it's you know, it's kind of very kind of blunt force approach, mm-hmm. but it's far better to do that than it than than to kind of be on some online course, getting distracted by Instagram every ten seconds, and, and mm-hmm. then nothing's going into any kind of any degree of depth. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm. So sorry if I interrupted your train of thought there before. As um, no thoughts are there to be interrupted. Well, <laughs> the. I think the the online or my kind of thing that I've been working on for the last year or so is that um, actually I wrote an essay for italki uh, about this that I got a I got a runner up I didn't win um, um, the, on the future of language learning and I basically made the argument that like uh, they no they wanted to know the the answer to the question, there's never been a better time to learn a language and then, like, you know, expand. Um, and I basically said, although, yes, there has never been, been a be- an easier time to access materials, uh, there ha- has also never been a more distracting time in the history of the world. Um, so my argument was that high-degree foreign language acquisition is there for the taking for anyone who can learn to mine the, you know, mine the resources of the internet mine them pro- appropriately, and yeah, in without being way. distracted by it, yeah. Yeah, that no, reminds me of the, um, yeah. of that, you know, with Facebook. You know, originally the, um, you know, when Zuckerberg started Facebook, you know, he he did it with good intentions. You know, he wanted to. Mm. Um, well, actually, I think the original incarnation of Facebook wasn't such good intentions. That was to kind of spy, no. spy on girls in the dorms and stuff like that. But, but, uh, but, but when they started expanding, it was like, okay, well, let's connect the world, bring the world together. Yeah. That's a cool aim, right? He, no one could have foreseen that it would have 
it would have resulted in, in you know, it would have turned into social media and the kind of death of civilization as we know it, <laughs> you know. So the, the, yeah. fact, the, the fact that we're all connected, I mean, how awesome is it that, you know, I'm, you know, we're talking like London to Sydney now um, instantly. I mean, it's so, it's, it's just incredible. But yeah. then that's kind of one, it brings with it so many different issues, right? And so... Yeah. Um, it's uh yeah. that that it, it comes down to that however many resources you've got you've still got to learn to be focused and efficient and i i, I don't want, i don't like to think what how i would have got on with languages um you know if i if the internet had been what it is now back in you know mm. 2001 because yeah. i'm fairly easily distracted by stuff you know and i have to go to quite extreme lengths to um to shut stuff off so, but I, I did do. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of my early motivations to learn languages were around people, you know. So, when I learned Portuguese, for example, I, you know, I was in Brazil with people, with friends, just speaking all the time, and, um, you know, in that kind of situation, you know, we, but that's the, it's, it's pure luxury, isn't it? Like most, that, that's yeah. it's it's that that's nothing that constitutes useful advice because no one can actually do it. No, well. That's true, but I guess that's this is something I'd I'd like to start talking about a little bit more often. I, I think it's harder to talk about, and that's why I haven't done it as much as I would like to have yet. But things like starting from a very base level. So you were touching on this before that um, that like without motivation you have nothing. So so learning to motivate yourself, but. Um, I, I don't think it's a huge stretch to say that um, a big part of Matt versus Japan's uh, success, not necessarily with Japanese, but um, certainly with like his online presence and what he's done with Japanese since and like the whole mass immersion approach and stuff. A, a big part of that, I, th I think, is due to meditation because when you have an online presence that's as popular as his is, it's very it's even more easy it's even easier to get distracted like even even easier than it is for anyone else who who just has their their normal facebook page and whatever when you've got like people constantly like commenting on your videos and stuff like that yeah um and he talked he meditates quite a lot and he's quite sort of deep in on meditation and i i have met, i want to meditate more i want to make it a habit of mine but it, because it it really does just reset your whole level of normal to the point where you almost find like all this stuff a bit too much and you and you want to switch it off naturally have you heard about these uh, dopamine fasts that people are doing i have heard about them but i've not uh gotten into them yet but one youtuber i i'm a very big fan of her, talks about them a bit yeah the idea, yeah. The, idea, the idea i think is that you basically go on um on a on a on a, on a fast mm. of sorts where you you know you you try to eliminate from your life anything that constitutes a kind of um uh what do you call it a um a trigger you know so so social media with its notifications um mm. smartphone anything on a smartphone anything mm. that gets you to any any activity which would be associated with dopamine that's that's, that's yeah. manufactured artificially and i and yeah. I, it sounded like a really cool idea and i, I looked into it and i started to see a whole bunch of criticism on, on it saying oh this is just a kind of hobby for the you know, silicon valley rich kids and stuff like that you know um, 
another, yeah. another kind of classic first world first world problem you know too much dopamine too much so i don't know yeah. um but 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 yeah that that's i also thought that about matt as well because he's very he's very zen and 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 i i'm i'm a a frustrated meditator myself i i really get huge amounts of value from meditation and i've gone through periods of um doing it quite often uh almost 10 years ago or so i was i had issues with stress and i i I discovered mindfulness meditation back then and that saved my life in many ways um Mm. and well the stuff i've learned from that has been incredibly useful uh, at, at various different points since especially when i've been in you know in 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 difficult situations being able to just kind of just calm the noise and just dampen the the flames on the fire a little bit um it's mm. it's incredibly powerful but i i i much like with my um you know with the the, the chinese characters thing i was mentioning earlier mm. um i i'm quite i i feel like i'm quite good at doing stuff in response to extreme situations and extreme measures so, like, if I'm immersed in, 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 I don't know, if I'm in Brazil, surrounded by Brazilians, in an extreme situation, I'll thrive. If I am, like, mm. suffering from major stress and, and need to just um, need to sort myself out, I'll do it. But when mm. I'm in my kind of nice, regular life, comfort zone, everything's ticking along quite nicely, I'm not very good at, at, um, at, at, at taking myself out of that comfort zone and doing things which I don't feel like doing for the sake of building up new habits, such as... Um, you know the kind of 9am on a Saturday studying such as kind of regular daily meditation even when I don't feel like it that's something I want to get better at and I I, I was really inspired by a post I saw from Scott Young earlier on this year when he said one of his goals for 2020 was to uh, progressively increase his capacity to do hard things when I heard that I thought man right there that that is the key that is that is a huge secret right there if you can gradually just get better at doing difficult or uncomfortable things how much better would your life be you know how much more would you read in the mm. evenings how much more would you uh resist eating you know crap that you know you shouldn't be eating how much more mm. language study would you fit in on a, on a regular basis even though you don't feel like it i mean that's a that, that's something i'm thinking a lot about and not necessarily mm. succeeding but wanting to yeah well i guess with with your chinese characters thing it's like i I was studying French and Swedish at the same time for quite a while um, with okay results because I was doing so much and because they're both fairly easy, let's be honest. Um, But I realized that my motivation to just learn Swedish to a high level was higher. And now I'm thinking about it like, because of something else in my life. And this is this is a concept that I have vaguely referred to before as holistic language learning, where this is like, okay, does learning Chinese characters actually add anything to your life right now? And probably not. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold and You'd guess be because like <laughs> because other than the sort of know, satisfaction of being able to being able to pick stuff up and read it, but like whatever, I don't need yeah. to do that. It would just be a kind of nice yeah. to have, you know. So, so you would have to be really into, um, like, Chinese literature or something like that. Um, whereas, for me, I saw value in my life in learning Swedish to a high level, not because, uh, it sounds bizarre, because, as you know, 
most Swedes speak English to a reasonably high, if not very high level. So it's, but it's, for me, it's not about speaking to Swedes necessarily. It's more about uh, showing the, showing my followers, like, like people who subscribe to my channel, followers sounds a bit pretentious, but um, subscribers, (laughs) it's my subscribers that um, i you can go from like a kind of pretty mediocre level to a high level. And I want to semi document that process. And actually, uh, because I think that's, that's actually harder. Say like going from B1 to C1 is harder than going from oh, nothing. to 10 B1. times, 10 times harder. That's, that's something I think yeah. people don't appreciate. You know, they, they, they people don't realize how hard it is to get to C1 in a language. Yeah. Um, so, and I just sort of thought, well, my channel, my information, everything will be more valuable if I've actually done that. Because I realized that although you, you said those things about uh, like my thoughts on language learning and stuff, a lot of the stuff that I said in like my earlier videos is like totally wrong, or at least I wouldn't agree with it. My modern self wouldn't agree with myself back then. And I was like, if I'm going to keep doing this, I actually have to know what I'm talking about. And in order to know what I'm talking about, I have to have learned one language to a proper degree. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think there's room for um, debate on those some of those those terms. I mean, hmm. knowing what you're talking about is all a very relative thing. I mean, there are people, yeah. you know, so many... You know, the, the majority of the sort of super polyglots around the world, you'll never, no one will ever know who they are. They're not on YouTube. They're just sort of just quietly going about their life, learning languages, and they all learn in yeah. totally different ways. You know, the, I think there's a yeah. YouTube and kind of online again to use that horrible term, the online polyglot mm. world is a, is a huge distortion of, of the reality of um, the world. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of you can distill it into privileged Westerners have fun. Mm. with all their free time and money and, and, and talk about it as if it's, you know, that, that's basically what it is. Most of the world yeah. are multilingual naturally. You know, people grow yeah. up in India, in some parts of India, speaking three, four languages. I mean, it, mm. it's, a, it's a natural state to be multilingual. People who actually learn languages themselves, um, they will use all kinds of different methods. Some people just read. Some people just speak. I mean, Portuguese is a language where I learn. I mean, I, I talk. I'm all about like stories and reading and listening and stuff these days. But I learned Portuguese just by speaking. All I did was yeah. I, I actually can't read Portuguese particularly very well because because mm. the the, uh, the pronouns move all over the place and they're really annoying. Um, mm. So I just but I, just, I didn't need to. I never bothered because I was just in Brazil just yeah. talking with people. Right? So knowing what you're talking about is very relative, very subjective. And mm. I, but I think that the, the thing that you mentioned that is important is actually having done it yourself. Because I think the reason that I can get away with talking, the reason I feel that I can get away with talking from some degree of um, authority is not just because, I mean, I, so I've got a long background in teaching and that gives me a framework with which to talk about languages. But I feel that that itself doesn't mean anything without actually having learnt languages. And this is yeah. part of the, the kind of the arrogance of the online, not, not online, of the teaching world. The hypocrisy of the teaching world, yeah. which is that people are, yeah. all, you know, English teachers. I mean, I'm going to pick on English teachers since, yeah. you know, because it's the most prevalent form of, um, you know, teaching people how to learn, teaching people languages. Yeah. You know, yeah. you pick your average English teacher and say, well, okay, you're teaching people how to 
learn you know b2 english grammar have you learned mm. the grammar of any can you speak any other language and almost yeah. always the answer is no and um mm. so i i really i do think that however you do it whatever method you use that you have got to a high level in a language is an important is a necessary thing in order to be able to talk about it um yeah. but you can do what you're sort of suggesting which is not necessarily because my, my thing is usually I, I will I'll tend to kind of talk from a position of having done something yeah. but there's that's only one way to do it the other way of doing it is to actually document it as you do it which is kind of what you're yeah. you're describing and that's that's really cool I think that's why people like um, like following um, you know language <clears throat> language projects and things because they get to see that development mm-hmm. um, which is something maybe we could we could we could, we could talk about because um Yeah, let me ask you what you think about this because I'm, I'm I'm curious. So I, I, yeah. I um, have been thinking recently about doing another language project. I'm not particularly motivated mm-hmm. to learn another language right now, but yeah. I kind of got a bit of an itch that I want to scratch, and I'm, mm-hmm. and, and then I started thinking to myself, well, it would be useful for people, you know, people who follow my stuff to actually see. Okay, how does he go about learning a language from scratch again? Like, you know, follow along, document it. I've done it a bunch of times before. Um, but then I started doubting myself a bit and thinking, what, you know, Ollie learns a language. What, like, that's not really helping anybody. That's just kind of a kind of voyeurism. And it actually doesn't really mean anything because the fact that I might do something a certain way has no bearing on the fact of how you should do it. Um, yeah. So it could be motivational, I guess. But I don't know, I, I, I've... I, this this thing of kind of documenting a, <clears throat> a language project week after week after week, it, it's just, it's starting to seem more and more artificial to me because <clears throat> progress is not something, and, and and even learning is not something that happens on that on that regular clockwork basis, you know. Mm-hmm. And the the more meaningful documentation of a language project would be from on a multi year basis. So yeah, I, I, I how do you feel about when you see these these language projects documented and? Yeah, I think. Um, this is actually, this sort of crosses over into the world of um, YouTubers or online influencers or whatever in general. Uh, YouTube's the one that I'm most interested in and therefore that's the one I know about. But I think a lot of YouTubers don't understand that, like, no one cares about you. (laughs) Like, it sounds harsh that way, but, like, unless you're an extremely charismatic person, people, even though it feels like they're clicking for you, initially at least, they're clicking uh, for the whatever you can give them. So I feel like if it's just, you know, Ollie learns Chinese or whatever it is, um, then it that, that doesn't really... That, that, you're no right, point. that doesn't... Yeah. Um, no point, yeah. But you can make that, at least I think it can be done. I, I'm trying to do it. You can make that both interesting to the viewer and useful to them. So, like, we're talking about, like, okay, so when you guys do this, you might want to consider doing it this way or this way or this way. And you, you're right. Like, people, people have different ways that they like to learn. Um, so I these days I try to do less talking about why it i'm i'm doing this therefore you should do it too um but more just like 
well, I'm motivated by this thing. I guess you can find out what your motivation is. The other thing is that, and this is sort of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of give away the. I'm not going to say the secret to my channel because it's not necessarily particularly successful yet, but I, I feel like it can be successful. I feel like we don't see enough language learners taking risks in terms of like what's going to work for them and like sort of making almost like a bit of a drama out of their journey to learn a language, um, which I'm, I know in when I say it like that, it sounds even more artificial, but like... I have no, I'm, I'm trying to say that I have no, uh, what's the word? I have no guarantee that I can get to a certain level in Swedish. That is just like, I'm assuming that if I keep doing these things, I can do it. But on some days it feels like, it's, it feels like I've stayed at the same level for a year now. And like you said, it, it really channels should uh, really not channels, um, language learners and their progress would happen over years rather than months. But that's not as sexy as the, this idea. Of like, right. So yeah, this is part, this is something that I'm, that I'm, that, that kind of weighs in on this uh, consideration for me because I'm the, the if I was going to pick like one language project that I would really just like to mm. lay, like put to bed for once and for all, it would be Chinese characters, mm. right? Um, yeah. mostly for 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 Japanese because I mean, my Japanese is pretty good but the the the, mm. the thing I can't do very well which I'd like to do better would be uh, you know just effortlessly reading um yeah well anything really <laughs> in Japanese yeah uh, to a to a native level or native like level mm. and yeah. um so if I was going to do something that's purely for me and I'm also in these projects trying to think about stuff for me as well because I've spent so many years now doing stuff for the internet that I'd actually quite mm. like to do something for myself and that thing would be um, Japanese, either in terms of Chinese characters or or else, you know, kind of uh, you know more advanced level stuff. But that's not something you can mm. document because that's just that's such a long term, slow project. You just mm. I'd be talking about what I'm doing without being able to actually show any results for you know in, in any meaningful time frame. So I kind of yeah. like yeah, I don't know. I'm I, I, yeah. I was thinking about learning Czech, actually. I don't know why, <laughs> no particular reason. But I guess the reason that I I thought about the um, doing a, a beginner project is because you can, you can, of all the stages in a language learning project, you can actually, yeah. you can show progress in a fairly short time frame. Yeah. You know, I, I saw I did this Italian yes. project a couple of years ago, and I, you know, within three months, I did, I could, you know, clearly demonstrate zero or close to zero to fairly conversational within that yeah. time frame um and that's yeah. a fairly easy language um but it mm. nevertheless it's possible to actually get some closure on a project like that and actually demonstrate something meaningful but again yeah. that that's very inauthentic because that's like well what's going to work on youtube as opposed to you know what do i actually want to do or exactly. what's actually useful for people yeah and i don't know anyway I, I find myself more more and more confused over time like what's actually kind of useful for people and i think that's why I, I just tend to spend most of my time now actually just making stuff making materials for people because that's yeah. actually useful you know you can actually you, know, yeah. you can take one of my books and read it you don't have to listen to me waffling on you can just actually mm. just get on with using the stuff i make so yeah. yeah yeah actually i have a question for you about that sure um uh, so i read your 101 conversations in intermediate french 
And it seemed like uh, you and I'm guessing your your French, uh, like the people you work with to make yeah. sure the French is all good and everything, um, knew, like, you really knew exactly, at least, like, it shouldn't have been called, for me, it shouldn't have been called intermediate French. It should have been called for Lamont's level of French. Yeah. Because, because I could read the chapters almost, like, I, I understood almost everything, and the bits that I didn't understand were listed at the end. Yeah. It's like you knew exactly mm-hmm. what I was not going to understand. Yeah. I just, there, were, there were a couple that I was like, okay, they didn't list that one, and I don't understand it. And there were quite a few that... I was like, yeah, I do know what that means. But it still seemed amazing to me that there, there were only like three things that I had to actually look up. So how did, I, I'm, my question is like, how did you guys come up with what you needed to list? Yeah, good question. So um, I'm just wondering how, much, how many trade secrets I can give away here. But... Oh, yeah, no, that's okay. It's trade secrets. <laughs> no, no, but, it, no, but it's fairly straightforward. I mean, so, the, the, what, so I've been doing this for quite some time now, like, yeah. creating courses and books and stuff and we i mean the first thing to say is i've kind of gone through a process of um of releasing stuff that was totally below standard full of errors and not you know i've learned the hard way i've learned mm-hmm. from my mistakes yeah. um the we've developed a process now for all the material that we create which is very robust um well i mean touch wood i'd like to think it's very robust mm-hmm. i mean you know, publishing houses will still do four or five or five rounds of proofreading on material before it goes out. Um, yeah. We're not at the five level yet, but I mean, just get it comes a point where it just gets very expensive. And you're paying a thousand dollars to catch one comma that's in the wrong place. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but so, the, but the the process that I like to go through with this, and I get again, I think this is the advantage of actually having spent years actually working with language learners and, and, and mm. having this mass interaction online with people. Um, what, I've, what I've realized is that the person that you get to do the, um, to, the person you get to work on different parts of the book is absolutely critical. Mm. It all comes down to who, to the talent that you use. So for example, um, it starts off with um, with writers because I mean my, my names are on the books, but I don't write them myself myself anymore. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, because you know all these different languages and stuff. And yeah. so the the kind of we start off with a writer who is not only a great writer and creative, but also has experience mm-hmm. with the teaching world, so that they can actually write to a specified level. For example, A two to B one okay. or B one to B two. Yeah. So we're already starting off in the right ballpark mm-hmm. linguistically but then what we'll do is have uh we'll have non-native speakers who have already learned the language go through the material and then give suggestions for grading it appropriately okay. and the reason for that is that if you are um let's say let's take french um if you are a native french speaker and your task is to uh, make sure that let's take, take take the word lists, the definitions, for example, that we give. Yeah. You're not going to know as a native French speaker from an, a native English perspective which words are confusing or not. You might know yeah. kind of um, theoretically or based on some kind of corpus 
which words belong in a B1 or B2 category. But the advantage mm. of having a non-native speaker who has already learnt the language doing it is that they can go through and say, oh, I remember when I learned French, I really struggled with this particular word. Yeah. Um, so let's make sure that this is glossed in the word list. And also yeah. this <clears throat> this word here, actually this is, this is a cognate in English, so we don't need to include this because although it's a difficult word, mm. it's guessable. Uh, yeah. So... So we'll have multiple rounds of different people actually going through the work and then looking at it from the perspective of the experienced learner. And um, so we end up with something that's not only at just the right level, because those people will also give suggestions on, 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 on you know, rephrasing certain sentences or, or, or paragraphs or whatever mm-hmm. to make them more appropriate to the level. So we end up with something that's not only very creative and fun to read, not only at the perfect level, hopefully, mm. but also that's kind of glossed in a way which is just right for the for the person <clears throat> because it's being looked at from the perspective of a native speaker and also a, an ex learner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so and we 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 put that process through everything we do from courses to books and things like that, and then obviously multiple rounds of proofreading to make sure we catch um, errors and stuff, and even. Of course, some still slip through inevitably. Um, so yeah. that's how we do it. Um, but it took us mm-hmm. quite some time okay. to to get there because that's not how we did it at first. But we we kind of realized for some of the earlier books we did, we would realize that we uh, hear the occasional comment from people like, oh, well, you've, you've given the definition of this word, but that's obvious to an English speaker because it's a, it's a cognate. And we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. how, how can we fix that? And so we kind of developed these, these processes to... Um, to try to get that as as helpful as possible. Yeah. No. Well, it's it's definitely shown because that. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, I sorry, I, I'm not I'm not sure quite how I ended up on that. I think. Oh, you said you were talking about stories. Um, no. Yeah, I was saying I was so I that's I I. I I, I find it more useful to spend my time creating creating material oh, yeah. and stuff these days yeah. than, than actually doing more kind of uh, you know filming language projects and things like that. Yeah. Well, there is a role for inspiration, I mean, though I think, because a lot of people when they start learning language, they, there is a there is a a tendency to believe that you can't do it. Mm. And so I, I have noticed that while um, you know the kind of language language mission type thing can be. You know, a very sort of self-serving thing. Um, there are a lot of people for whom actually seeing someone go through the process is really, really eye-opening because they, yeah. it shatters a lot of false beliefs around how languages are learned and how how long it should take and uh, things like that. So I think there is a role for that for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just saying to my wife yesterday that I discovered that the um, online book platform that I use, like the one I subscribe to so that I can obtain books, particularly in Swedish, um, has the Millennium Trilogy, um, the Stieg Larsson's Millennium Trilogy. And I saw it and then I went and looked up how much the audio book was. And it then occurred to me that I remember a time that feels like decades ago now, but actually it wasn't that long ago, when someone suggested to me that I should read those books in Swedish. Because, you know, like non-language learners, they tend to have this idea that, like, you either know nothing or you're, like, completely fluent. Yeah. 
and they don't realize how hard reading a book that's like this big would be um even for me today that would be quite hard but i remember them suggesting that and me just kind of laughing and having this like there's no way i'm ever reading steve larson's millennium trilogy like you know that would be a tough read in english um not not because it's hard but because it's just so big but and just not see like at that time i couldn't see the path to fluency yeah like i couldn't see that path at all so i thought it didn't exist i was like i'm only doing this until a certain level and i just assumed that that level had a ceiling that was not that high because at the time i could barely read like an email or you know a, t- a letter of, uh, an italki teacher would it would write to me in Swedish, saying, like, oh, can we move the time an hour back or something? And I would struggle just to read that. Yeah, see, that's, that, I find that very interesting because I think one of, one of the things that shaped my language experience is that I got to a very good level in my first language fairly early on. And so mm-hmm. I've always had that. I've never had any doubt that foreign languages are totally learnable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting for me to hear that because I, I, it just makes me wonder how many other people... Um, have hold this belief for quite some time that that there is actually a ceiling beyond which you mm. you can't get through has that changed at all for you is it is that ceiling shifted well absolutely presumably that's you what, see the light at the end of the tunnel now well that's what i was about to say that like now if i wanted to i could actually read stieg larsson oh, awesome. it would be um it would be hard but like i I read a lot of stuff now, which I don't understand every word of, but mm. I understand enough of that it's very clear what's going on. Yeah. Um, and it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not translating back. I can have the audio book on and just be like, oh, that's interesting that they're doing that. Oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. Kind of like it's, it's almost like listening to a book in English. Only I'm not seeing every little nuance and everything. Um, but and so it just that's why I was telling my wife I was like it just occurred to me that I could actually read Stieg Larsson which kind of blows my mind because I remember a time where that was just a laughable idea um what's interesting about the do I now think there's a ceiling I think there probably is I think there's a practical ceiling that is to say there's there's a level for some learners in some languages where it's you could theoretically move beyond that level but it would take so much work that there is just no circumstance in this life that would make it that would make it worthwhile kind of thing like um you know like you take matt's japanese for example okay he he would get better if he lived in japan and he might get better for two years um, but probably not heaps noticeably better. He he would probably feel more comfortable in various scenarios. But after that, okay, maybe he could get better in like super specific things, but like he would have to put in twice the work that he's already put in, which is substantial, and it wouldn't really make any practical difference. So I think there are, I think there is a level, like you hear Europeans, uh, as in non-English speaking Europeans, who have lived in London or Sydney or something for like a long time and they still make this one error that it's like, okay, you could train that error out of yourself if you really wanted, but is there really any point? It's it's actually yeah. kind of 
cute almost that you always say that like, well yeah, you want you don't want to totally erase your personality or your heritage or you know that that's that's what makes it endearing mm. to be a second language speaker um yeah but yeah i think that, that that question of you know can you become indistinguishable from a native speaker is the kind of question that i think you stop worrying about once you've got too close to that level because you because what happens yeah. then is you, you've actually experienced you've had the experience of being able to live life with a language to a very high level and yeah. and knowing that that's perfect that that's enough you know yeah. like none of my languages am yeah. i am i am i indistinguishable from a native speaker far from it but there's a number where I'm, where I can live my life perfectly well in that language. Have friends who are just as close as they would be if they were in English. And then you, you just, the notion of needing to get progressively better is just, mm. it stops, just becomes absurd because there's just no, like you yeah. said, there's, there's there's no point. So that's I think yeah. that's one of like many many kind of theoretical questions that that that, that people ask when they kind of get into this into the whole language learning thing, um, which is a really a kind of um a uh an unnecessary question uh yeah well i think too many people at the beginning frame it as can i learn the language or can't i um which is like well of course you can learn yeah, like if i tell if i if i can tell you one word and you remember that word then you've learned that yeah. so by definition you speak a little bit of that language um and I think I kind of saw it that way with Swedish in the beginning. I, not obviously, I knew that there was like going to be a level of progress, but I think my the question that I really had inside my head was, can I get good enough at Swedish that I could actually have the conversation without thinking through English? Because back then, that was like the highest I'd ever gotten was being able to translate in German. <laughs> Like, I could speak German by just translating. So I was yeah. like, will I ever be able to think in Swedish? And wh- can I do that before I lose interest in it and start on something else? Um, because that's what that was the pattern of my teenage and my teenage years and my 20s was like, I would get really, really into something just to the point that it started being useful. And then I would become interested in something else. Um, <laughs> so... It's interesting and you say that. That, that was a, yeah. that was a teenage thing because I'm finding that's what's happening to me now. It's super frustrating. <laughs> well, I guess it's it's not so bad if you've kind of built if you've built up your your own employment or you know whatever. If you've got like say a steady job or you you've got your own thing going on that that is self sufficient or yeah, it all depends you know. on the context, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that thing of um, there's a, there's a lot of things in life I think where the having been through it once, having been through something once, just changes your fundamental perspective on it, and you'll never mm. look at things again in the way in, in the same way. It's like in in, in business, you know, a lot of people say like unless until you've been until you've gone through bankruptcy, you can mm. never be a true entrepreneur because there's something that. What is the most difficult stage in learning a new language? Well, many people will tell you that it is speaking. It's when you first start to speak and you have those kind of terrifying conversations in front of a native speaker for the first time. And it's terrifying because you realize that actually all that stuff you thought you knew, well, it turns out you didn't know it quite as well as you thought. You begin to freeze up, you trip over over your words, your memory just stops working. And speaking is just an all-round 
distressing experience. We've all been there, I've been there in many, many languages. And, and to help with this, I've written a series of books called 101 Conversations. And these conversations are designed to tell a story. So right from the first one to the very last one, it tells a really interesting story that's completely set in the target language. And these, because these are conversations, there is no narrative. There's no fluffy descriptions. It is just blow by blow, real conversations in the target language that are gonna help you learn and memorize the most important words and phrases in the language so that you can speak with more confidence. Now these books I've written in French, German, Italian, Spanish, English, and they're all available on Amazon. So if you head over to amazon.com and you search for Ollie Richards 101, then they should pop right up. That is on amazon.com, search for Ollie Richards 101, and you can find there the Kindle version, the paperback version, the audio version, so that you can train your ear at the same time. There is this, these will keep you busy for weeks, if not months, and they're also super affordable. So I hope you go and check them out, and I hope you enjoy the books. Once again, on Amazon.com, simply search Ollie Richards 101.